0: Well, I just want to welcome you once again to First Baptist Church, uh, Las Cruces. If you're a guest here, uh, my face isn't the face that you're usually going to see when you come. Uh, That would be the face of our pastor. He's right there. If we could get a spotlight on him, that would be awesome. Just keep it there, the whole service. (laughs) Would that be all right? All right, that would be great. Uh, Thank you so much for coming to worship with us. We are excited just to get back into the Word. Uh, I'm doing a a four-week series in the book of Ruth, and it's called Relentless. And my prayer has been for you, even this morning... Not that you would just see and not that you would just hear and it would go in one ear and out the other, but that you would actually really leave here remembering and owning the fact that God is relentlessly pursuing you. He's never going to stop working in your life. He's never going to stop working in your situations. He relentlessly loves you. And so we've been in the book of Ruth. The very first week uh, we started and we talked about God just being relentless when things in our lives turn upside down. And we have all had moments like that in our lives, where everything that we know is changed in an instant, and we don't know what to do. And God is still working in our lives, even in those moments. And uh, so we talked about God kind of working behind the scenes in the lives of Ruth and Naomi. Now, Ruth, uh, Naomi had moved from Israel all the way to Moab she was in another place with another people. Everything was going good. She went with her husband and her two sons, and all three of them passed away. And one of her sons was actually Ruth's husband. And so we see that these two ladies' lives have just been turned upside down. They're now widows. They're living in a country that has another God, not the one true God. And but we still see God working kind of behind the scenes. They weren't even able to see what God was doing at the moment, but he had actually provided them with each other, and he had actually uh, ended a famine that was back in Israel that would play into the rest of the story. And I want you to remember that God is still relentlessly working behind the scenes in your life, even if your life is turned upside down. Last week, we looked at how God was relentlessly showing his mercy and his grace to Ruth and Naomi, and he did that through a man named Boaz. So Ruth and Naomi come back into Israel, they're in Bethlehem, and they... Uh, everything is just upside down still in their lives, and the Lord begins to provide, and he provides uh, through what's called gleaning, which is basically a harvesting of the corners of the field, what the poor people used to get to do in that time, and Ruth goes and gleans in a field belonging to a man named Boaz, and Boaz from the second he sees her begins to just shower his kindness Over her and begin to protect her and provide for her. And it's an amazing thing when you can see God kind of come out from behind the scenes and start working in your life. Last week we talked about uh, God delighting in displaying his grace and mercy. For our good and his glory. And that's exactly uh, where we ended. We ended with this, this really special word, though, uh, last week, and the word was Redeemer. In the first two chapters of Ruth, you see this word used one time. In the next two chapters, you see it being used 18 times. So we need to understand. What a redeemer is if we're going to really understand what's going on in the life of Ruth. And so let me just take one second just to kind of explain that to you uh, for a moment. A redeemer was the relative of usually someone who died and then their family is left pretty much with nothing. Exactly the situation that Ruth and Naomi find themselves in. They need someone to get them out of the trouble that they're in. And so a Redeemer was the nearest relative, and what the Redeemer could do was to keep the land that that man had owned in the family. He could go and buy that land from the family, giving them money and still letting them uh, live on that land. And so he really bails them out of all their situation. They have money now. They can provide for themselves. They have protection because someone has redeemed them. A redeemer could also uh, buy you out of slavery if you had sold yourself into slavery in this time because you didn't have any other options. And that would happen actually a lot. If a husband dies and leaves uh, behind a few uh, ladies uh, behind and his, maybe his daughters and his wife, Uh, If they just had nowhere else to turn, they could go and they could give their servanthood to someone and they would at least get shelter and food and they never have to worry about anything in life again. But a redeemer could come and buy them out of that slavery that they sold themselves into and really begin working in their life, provide that protection, and give them everything uh, that they need. And so that brings us to this week, and what we're talking about this week is how God is relentless in the details, okay? And that's what I want you to see as we go through uh, today. When I was 22 years old, I had uh, a plan for my life. I had been to China two times. I'd already met Leanne uh, and we had uh, we'd been going out for a little while. And if I could, I'd just like to speak for Leanne for a second. The day that she met me was the best day of her life. Uh, she, she was so happy just to find a strong, young, godly man who was just going to take care of her. She loved my blue eyes, dark hair, <laughs> ripped abs. I don't, I've never had ripped abs in my life. Those are her words, not mine. Um, So (laughs) uh, I thought I had everything planned out though. In fact, when I went to China, I felt that the Lord was really calling me into missions. And so I began to pursue being a missionary. And I thought God is going to call me to be a missionary in China for the rest of my life. And that's settled. And so as I begin walking in that direction, with the direction that I had kind of planned out for my life, I see that God had some different plans. In fact, I'd never heard of God calling people off of the mission field before. I'd always heard that he calls people to the mission field, go into all the world, right? That's what he says, preach the gospel to every living creature. And so those were the messages I was hearing. I was never hearing God calls missionaries back home, God brings missionaries off of the field, and that was kind of a hard place for me to be in my life, but I see that my plan wasn't exactly what God had uh, planned for my life. In fact, I wouldn't be here at First Baptist Las Cruces if he hadn't done that three and a half years ago. That's when he made all that happen, and I know some of you are thinking, I wish God would have kept you on the mission field. Then we wouldn't have to be listening to you right now. Uh, All I can do is apologize. I'm sorry. So here, if if you're at work tomorrow or wherever you go tomorrow and somebody says, did you go to church yesterday? You say, yeah. And they said, what was it about? You guys do this to your parents all the time. How was your day at school? Uh, I want you to tell them this, that God's relentlessly detailed plan for your life will always make your own plan look small and incomplete. In my life, I was going along the path that I had uh, chosen and I thought that's just what was going to be. I didn't have any other plans, uh, and I thought that's what God was going to carry out in my life. But I forgot one of the, probably one of the, to me, one of the greatest things that the wisest man who had ever lived, his name is Solomon, said in Proverbs sixteen nine, and this is what he says, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. So the heart of our hearts, the heart of mankind and our mind, we plan the way that our lives are going to go. We plan the things that we want to do, even the things that we think God wants us to do. And we do these things and we're headed in that direction because that's what our heart has set to do. But as we follow God and as we're pursuing him, what we see is that his will directs our steps. And sometimes in a direction that we didn't ever think that we were going before. And so I hope that really you can start seeing this whole book of Ruth in this new light that says God is in control here, not everybody else. All right? And that is just going to bring us uh, right to uh, chapter 3, verse 1. I've kind of summed up everything for you already. It's been about three months now that Ruth has been working in Boaz's field. All right, But I want you to see the tiny human plan that Naomi and Ruth come up with. Now, it's a pretty good plan, but it's still tiny, it's still human, and it pales in comparison to what God had planned for them. So this is what it says in uh, verse 1. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, my daughter, should I not seek rest for you? Now she uses the word rest and that's not just like she needs to rest on the couch or something like that because she's had a hard day. This rest that she's talking about to her daughter-in-law is saying, I need to seek someone that you can find rest in. I need to seek for you a husband. It would be her duty to do that as a mother-in-law if her son passed away, all right? And that's exactly what Naomi does. She says, it's my duty uh, to do this for you. I should seek rest for you so that it may be well with you. Verse two, she says, is not Boaz our relative with whose young women you have been working? See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. If you ever need explanation for a verse, it's that one, right? He's winnowing at the threshing floor. That doesn't mean anything to us now. All right, so I looked up some books. I found out what all this means, all right? So here's here's what they would do. Uh, As they were harvesting their wheat, as they were harvesting their barley, they would gather it up into big sheaves, and they would take those to a threshing floor. And a threshing floor would just be a really hard, compact surface where they could start beating out those grains that were attached to the stems, and they would use a flail, uh, kind of like a big stick, or they would get their oxen and tied to a post in the middle, and they would make their oxen walk around and around, and their hooves would knock those grains off, and that's called threshing. So that's why it's called the threshing floor. Now, Boaz is going to be winnowing Uh, At the threshing floor what winnowing was it was another process in that barley or wheat harvest and it would he would take really a wooden pitchfork And he would shove it under everything that had just been threshed and he would throw it up in the air Now they would always place their threshing floors those hard compact surfaces where the wind could hit and so when they would throw everything up into the air uh, it would blow the stems, or what they would call straw, and it would blow the chaff what it was covering the grain. It would blow those out because they were lighter than the grains, and the grains would fall uh, to the ground. And so he was going to be winnowing at the threshing floor, and after he had done that a lot of times, he would be left with a big pile of grain, and then he could give all that straw and everything else uh, to the animals. So that is what Naomi is talking about there. Isn't he our relative, all right? So he says he's going to be there, and he's gonna be winnowing at the threshing floor, and here's what I want you to do, Ruth. Wash therefore and anoint yourself and put on your cloak and go down to the threshing floor. Now, this is actually a common practice to prepare for marriage, okay? This language was always used if someone was to prepare for marriage. So it's very clear what Naomi is trying to do. She's trying to hook Boaz up with Ruth and hook Ruth up with Boaz so that they could be redeemed. And so he, she says, wash, go and anoint yourself. They would have oil uh, that would be mixed with different uh, herbs and things to make a perfume. And she would anoint herself with that. And, he says, and, she, and she says, put on your cloak, and go down to the threshing floor. That put on your cloak was kind of an end of her time of mourning for her husband. Okay? Now, they would even dress a certain way when they were mourning uh, for their husbands. And Naomi said, the time for mourning is gone. Let's, let's try and find you rest. Let's try and see if God will use Boaz to redeem us. And the whole plan was for Ruth to marry Boaz. She says, "So go down to the threshing floor, but don't make yourself known to the man until he is finished eating and drinking." But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet. And lie down, and he'll tell you what to do. Now, that uncovering of the feet, there's a whole bunch of different explanations that people have thought up. Uh, All the commentators that I was reading, there's so many different variety of things on what that meant. It could have been uh, a sign when someone needed to be redeemed, they would go uncover the feet of the Redeemer. I'm not sure if that's right. Nobody else is. Uh, I kind of go with the most easy explanation that I can possibly find, and it would be that if I was winnowing barley and I have a long day I've eaten I've drank it's time for me to sleep so that nobody takes my barley I'm going to sleep right next to it Uh, I'm going to bring my blanket and if my feet get uncovered at some point I'm going to wake up and so I'm thinking that this might have been Ruth's way of waking him up uh, and not startling him too much uh, by being at the threshing floor so a whole bunch of different things there we're not exactly sure we can go with that one And so Ruth says to Naomi, uh, everything that you say, I will go and do. That brings us to verse 6. So she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. Verse 7. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk, his heart was merry. Okay, let's just stop there. All right. So he eats. And he drinks, now this is so hard for a lot of you to understand, uh, but there was something called wine back in those days, okay? And after you would drink some wine, you would begin to feel the effects of that wine. Now he wasn't drunk or anything like that, okay? Uh, I know this is a hard concept for saints like you to understand, especially in public. Uh, I know that. Uh, but So he's feeling the effects of everything that's happened. He's, he's, he's eaten now. He's tired. He's drank. His heart is merry, and he goes and he lies down at the end of the heap of grain. And then she came softly and uncovers his feet, and she laid down, which really brings us uh, to the next thing I want you to see is... is We have these tiny little plans too, don't we? This was a pretty small plan. I mean, it it wasn't too elaborate or anything else. The end goal is to get them married. They didn't think much further than that. God absolutely was. But we have our little plans, don't we? And I think you could probably look at your life. And unless you're two years old in here, you could say, my life hasn't really gone according to my plan. And we can see that God has... Planned something different altogether for us than we had planned in the beginning? Are we willing to walk with the Lord in His plan while trying to carry out our own? And I think that's exactly what Ruth and Naomi were doing. But uh, I do want to see, I want you to see what that brings us to. We have our little plans, but I want you to see what God orchestrated in the life of Ruth and Naomi. And let's just keep uh, reading in verse 8. At midnight, The man was startled and turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet, exclamation point. Uh, He was pretty surprised by this. That's why the exclamation point is there. Uh, There was never women at the threshing floor at midnight, okay? So he probably would have been less surprised if a fox had had taken one of his toes, okay? He would have been like, yeah, that's normal. There's foxes out here. But he wakes up, and he's like, oh, my gosh, there's a woman laying at... My feet. And she says something that harkens back to what we read last week in chapter 2. She says, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. There's that word again. And so what we see is uh, Boaz had pronounced a blessing on Ruth in chapter 2. And his blessing upon her was this May the Lord bless you because you have come to this people to seek refuge under the wings of Yahweh, the one true God. And that was his blessing that he pronounced over her. And now she's kind of turning it around on him, and she says, God is going to provide me refuge under his wings because God is going to use you to spread your wings over me And give me the protection and the care that I'm looking for. So God is going to provide for me, but he's going to do it through you. So please, you, you be the one who spreads your wings out like a hen to hide the chicks and gives them protection. You be the one to do that for me because you are a redeemer. You're the only one that can do this for us. There's nobody else that's going to get us out of everything that we find ourselves in. So we're putting all of our trust in you, Boaz, our redeemer. So please spread your wings over us. And he said, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, in that you have not gone after young men, whether rich or poor. So Boaz realizes, okay, he's, he's a little older than Ruth. Maybe, I don't know, we don't know exactly how many years. Maybe it's 15 years. Maybe it's a little more. And she could have gone after someone else to redeem her, or just gone to find another man to marry. But she didn't. Because she saw the kindness of Boaz, because God was working in that entire situation. Now, the first kindness that uh, He talks about right here, the last kindness is greater than the first. Her first kindness was to her mother in law, who was from a different people, who, after her husband and sons die, Ruth clung to her. We see that in, in chapter one. Do you remember that? Ruth clung to her. She says, no, wherever you go, I'm going. Wherever you die, I'm going to die. Your people are going to be my people, and your God is going to be my God. And that was her first act of kindness. So he says, "The second one blows that one out of the water, that you're coming to me to have me redeem you. This is a beautiful love story. I don't know. If you're, if you're a woman, you're eating this up. If you're a guy, you're, your wife is probably nudging you to hold her hand right now. I just advise you to do that. Let's look at verse 11. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you everything that you ask, for all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. So we have this tiny little plan of Ruth and Naomi. It's going pretty good. Naomi said, after you lie down and uncover his feet, uh, that's all I got for you. Then we're gonna leave it in Boaz's hands. We're gonna leave it also in God's hands for him to do exactly what he wants to do with us. And it reminds me, it reminds me so much that God's detailed future reaching plans are also in our lives as well. God has plans that will dwarf our own plans. God's large plans are much more detailed because he is relentlessly working in our lives for our good and for his glory. And so as we think about that, uh, we all know that life hasn't turned out exactly how we wanted it to turn out. And so at some point, we have to come to this realization that God's detailed future-reaching plans are so much better than our own in our life. I don't know if you've thought about this much, um, but Ruth had no kids. She was married for quite a few years. Her husband's name was Malan. Remember, that means weak. Uh, And she was married for quite a few years, never had children, In fact, according to her, she would be barren. God had a totally different plan. Ruth's plan never included kids, I guarantee you. It definitely didn't include grandkids. And it really didn't include great-grandkids. But do you know the great-grandson of Ruth? God had huge plans for him. You know who that would be? King David. That is huge. God is providing and, and working out all the details in Ruth's life to do something several generations later for the whole nation of Israel. Absolutely beautiful. I don't know if you know this, but God's plan in reaching Ruth is also affects us like majorly. We're going to get to that in chapter 4 next week. So I really, really want you to come back and hear how the Lord works through this entire situation uh, and really includes us in the blessings of him pursuing Ruth. And everything is perfect in this plan of theirs until verses 12 and 13. So let's look at verses 12 and 13. There's a huge problem with the plan. This is what it says. And now it is true. That I am a redeemer, Boaz says. I am a redeemer. That is very true. Yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. There's somebody else that can bail you out because I'm not the closest relative to Naomi's deceased husband. And he has the first rights. That's how it worked. If you were the closest relative, you had the first opportunity to redeem someone. And that's an honor to redeem someone. And someone would most likely jump at the chance to do it. And all of a sudden, Ruth is thinking, our plan is messed up now. We have hit a horrible, horrible development. She had no clue that there was another Redeemer. Her eyes were set on Boaz because that's the field that she was working in. And that's the, that's the man who God had shown kindness to her through. And she was all about him. Let's, re- let's look at verse 13. Boaz says, just remain tonight. And in the morning, if the other who is closer, a closer relative, if he will redeem you, good, let him do it. Here's kind of the, the moment in the movie where everything like climaxes and the man just says something awesome uh, just to win the woman's heart, just like I did with Leanne. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. As the Lord lives, I swear by the one true God, that I will make sure that you are redeemed by me. If he won't do it, because I can't wait to jump at the chance to bring you under my protection. So he says, "Lay down until the morning." I don't know if you've ever noticed, but uh, our lives are often filled with obstacles, and this is, I think, one of those obstacles. I don't think in my plan. Okay, when I was saying, "Okay, I want to be a missionary for the rest of my life," I never planned. Any obstacles in that. In fact, I don't know why. We probably should. We should just plan some obstacles in our life because we know they're going to happen anyway. So I had zero obstacles planned in our life, but obstacles will come. 100% obstacles will come into our lives. God has no problem bringing obstacles into our lives. I don't know if you've ever thought of that. Now, I didn't say God brings evil into our lives. He never causes evil situations in our lives. But he's never scared to bring an obstacle into our path. And he wasn't scared to bring this obstacle into Ruth's path. He knew what was going to happen. She didn't. This wasn't part of her plan. The plan was Boaz. It was always Boaz. And now there's another person who can redeem them. And if he redeems them, they basically go under his care. And that her opportunity with Boaz is going to be lost. This reminds me of scenes in movies. Uh, Where everything is just going along great Like maybe there's two people They're falling in love And you're like This is the best story ever And then you're like Oh wait Things are too good right now things are way too good in this couple's life. Something's going to happen, whether it's a car accident in a movie or something like that. Something always happens. Like, it's like everybody's at the beach having a good time, laying out in the sun, putting suntan sunscreen lotion on, uh, getting a really good bronze from the, from the sun. And they have their umbrella, they have their drinks, everything is just going peachy. And then the camera pans and you see like this giant storm in the horizon. And you're like, oh no, something is bad. And then that giant storm produces produces a typhoon which is basically a tornado on the water and that tornado happens to go over a school of sharks that's swimming and sucks all the sharks up into that okay and then the typhoon full of sharks now hits the coast of santa monica and nobody's having a good time anymore now i don't know if god is going to bring a sharknado in your life Probably not. And if he does, like, you've messed up big time. Like, if a Sharknado shows up to your house here in Las Cruces, New Mexico, you have offended God, and you need to make it right. It's just his judgment on your life. I don't know what else to tell you. But God does bring obstacles into our life, and he's never scared to do it. And it's usually to produce something in us that he's not seeing. Maybe we need to rely more fully on him. Maybe he's trying to teach us some humility sometimes. I'm not exactly sure of all the situations that we're all gonna go through and all the obstacles that are gonna be in our path, but I know that they will come. And so we see that Ruth and Naomi are gonna have to have faith in the wait. They're now having to wait on the Lord and see what the Lord is gonna do with this new development in their story that looks like it's gonna tear everything to pieces that they've been working so hard for. And we see this in uh, verse 14. It says, uh, so she lay at his feet until the morning, but arose before one could recognize another. And he said, let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. It would have given her a bad image in the public if anyone knew. Verse 15, and he said, bring out the garment that you're wearing, Ruth, and hold it out. And so she held it, and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. Then she went into the city. Let's look at verse 16. And when she came to her mother-in-law, her mother-in-law said, how did you fare, my daughter Ruth? Then she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, these six measures of barley he gave to me, for he said to me, you can't go home empty-handed to your mother-in-law. Now this is actually a, a gift To the mother-in-law saying, I want to marry your daughter-in-law. So accept this gift on my behalf. It's not like she's worth six measures of barley, okay? She's Ruth. She's She's worth way more than that. But what he's saying is, please accept this gift. I want to take care. I want to redeem Ruth. Let's look at verse 18. Then she replied, wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out. For the man will not rest but we'll settle, settle this matter today. So all they could do was place their faith in the Lord and see what he was going to do in their lives. God was relentlessly working every detail out. And I don't want to spoil chapter four for you, but God works everything out. Ruth marries Boaz. It's a beautiful story. The future of, of their descendants is absolutely stunning. And God had planned every single detail out. Which reminds me that sometimes we have to wait. You have got to wait it out for a while. Sometimes we're going to have to wait it out in faith. Maybe that obstacle has come and it looks like my plan isn't working. I don't even know if God is working here. I guess I just have to place my faith in him and let him work in my life and let him work it all out so that I will be in his plan. Because my plan has been dashed. Uh, and it's not going to work out anymore. So I hope you've been making some connections between Ruth's story and your own story. Have you seen that you make plans and they're never as big as God's? Have you seen that obstacles sometimes come in the way? Have you seen sometimes in your own life, and maybe you're there now, or maybe you will be, or maybe you have been a long time ago where you just have to place all of your faith in him and just let him work every single detail out in your life. This isn't a sermon that's trying to tell you to stop making plans. In fact, I would say, if you're walking with the Lord, keep, keep planning and keep moving in that direction. As you walk with Him, if He needs to direct your steps somewhere a little bit different, then He will. So you don't need to stop planning, but you do need to be open to the fact that God uh, is working in your life and His plan is going to be better than you. Maybe right now you think you're up against one of those obstacles. Maybe it's a hard one. You see zero way out. You don't know what's going to happen. And so maybe you're one of those people that today just needs to place all of your faith even in this waiting time, and just let God do what God is going to do. In a moment, we're going to have uh, some of our pastors up here. We're also going to have some women up here if you want to pray with a woman. uh, I know that that's sometimes a little weird if you come up and you're a woman and you want to pray with a man. It's kind of weird. So we're going to have some women up here as well. If if you need prayer about some obstacle in your life, come and ask for some of that prayer uh, today. If you... If you're thinking, gosh, you know what? I really relate to Ruth in this story. Ruth is the one whose life was turned upside down and she needed a redeemer. Maybe you could say, I need a redeemer. I don't know if you remember last week we talked about Jesus being our redeemer. And it comes back to this passage really, which is the most familiar passage uh, that we have in the scriptures of God being a redeemer and, and of Boaz even being a redeemer. Uh, so this whole thing that Jesus Christ is a redeemer, that would just ring in the ears of the people who knew the word redeemer. Oh, that goes back to Boaz. But Jesus Christ is a better redeemer. He redeems us from the sin of slavery that we're in and he brings us under his wings of protection and he saves us 100%. Maybe that's you today. And you just wanted to come and talk to a pastor about that decision. Whatever you're going through right now, uh, There's probably someone else in here that's going through the same thing. If you just need prayer, maybe you want to join the church, a church that holds the scriptures above everything else and will faithfully teach you God's word. If you want to join a church like that, you could come and do that at this moment. But whatever it is you need to do, I want you to respond to God in the way that you feel that he's leading you to respond. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear God, we thank you so much for this word. God, we thank you that we can see how you worked in Ruth and Naomi and even Boaz's life to bring about your plan for their lives. God, our plans are sometimes so very small. Sometimes we just need to rest in what you want to do in our lives instead of relentlessly pursuing what we want. And God, we thank you that you're relentlessly involved in every little detail of our lives, and that you relentlessly love us. In your name we pray. Amen.